0: Let's sing of his love, the power of his love. Lord I come to you. so wonderful. Amen. Just sounds so nice and everything looks so nice in the new building and it just sets my heart on fire to hear everybody. It just, I wish you could hear it from where I'm at. Amen. It's just so wonderful. Amen. My heart's just overflowing with joy right now to be here with you all. man. we've got a lot going on this morning. I have five specials, uh, some folks that are wanting to sing today. So I'm not going to take up too much time and I'm going to give ample time for these. Uh, wonderful specials. Amen. So I'm going to let you have your seats. We're going to do it a little bit different this morning just to make time. Brother Keith has a special for us. I'm going to let you go first, brother. Amen. have a few uh, announcements to mention while he's getting prepared there. I um, want to remember to uh, sign up in the the lobby for the Easter dinner. It's very important that everyone get their names on that list if you're going to be attending. For the Easter dinner, they have a sign-up sheet for you in the lobby. Amen. We also have the uh, the mother-daughter tea that is scheduled, and that's going to be on May the eighth. Amen. We want to remember that. Just uh, if those of you that would like to attend that, get signed up for that. Amen. We'll let Brother Keith go at this time. Amen. <clears throat> also, we have uh, Sister Rebecca Coffee and her children also have. Special, so uh, we want you all to make your way forward uh, after we sing a chorus when Brother Keith is completing it. Sure is good to be home, isn't it? Just help us out with this song. Everybody knows this one. I just had this song on my heart all week. We've never sung it before, and we really hadn't even had a chance to rehearse it, so. Sister Rebecca Coffee to be making her way forward. While she's getting ready with the children there, we're going to sing that song, Through It All.
1: <clears throat> through, it all. through it all, through it all, oh, I've learned God.
0: that special man sister Rebecca if you want to do your special at this time that would be all right amen uh, just one more quick announcement to make as she's making ready there uh, the choir will be meeting today at three o'clock is that right sister Laura? so we're grateful to be able to gather and uh, and just give the Lord praise and worship amen in our choir we appreciate sister Laura. And all the effort that she does there. And amen. All of you that join with us and sing. And if you want to join the choir, just let Sister uh, Sister Laura know. Amen. special. Amen. Appreciate the coffee family. Man, Brother Andrew, it's good to have you and your family with us. Amen. You're just like just like part of this assembly, amen. Every time we see you it's just a blessing. Amen. We're going to stand at this time and take our special needs to the Lord. Amen. <clears throat> I'm gonna ask Brother Chris clayville if he would make ready to take these needs to the Lord for us. Amen. Musicians could play that song I give my mind. Gently as we take these needs to the Lord. Amen. Uh, Several very serious requests that we want to be remembering in prayer. Uh, Brother Troy and Sister Connie's uh, stepson, Kent, uh, he is battling cancer at this time. He also had a bad accident uh, while they were uh, having some fun. I think it was a go-kart accident or something like that. He's in the hospital right now, so if you would remember him at this time, I know they would greatly appreciate that. If you would remember the Johnson uh, girls, they are traveling at this time. I want to remember them in prayer. God would bring them safely back to our assembly. And Sister Emma is not feeling well. Emma Harwell, if you would remember her in prayer. I want to remember Sister Greg this morning in prayer and Miss Sister Greg in just a faithful member of this church for a long time. I want to remember our dear sister. Amen. I want to remember Brother Joe Green's family. Sister Caroline Morrow, his sister, just passed away from the virus. So we want to remember the family in their time of grief and that God would touch their hearts and bring peace to their minds and to their life. Amen. We'd like you to remember Brother Mike Holloway in prayer. He has the, uh, the procedure that he's going to be going through, I think it's this week, coming up. So we want to remember him in prayer. Um, we also want to remember uh, Brother Gerald Crowell in prayer. He's a member of uh, Brother Steve's church up in Virginia. He is also battling cancer, so if you'd remember him in your prayers. And so, uh, remember Sister Mary Smith this morning as well. She's not feeling well. And a request also for Brother Joel Johnson, who he's having some back trouble. And so if you'd remember those needs in prayer, come on up here, Brother Chris. Take these needs to the Lord for us, brother. Amen. Do you have unspoken prayer requests? I mean, God knows your need, my friend, and we're going to pray with you.
2: Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you once again for this opportunity that we could gather together, Lord. Lord, we look around at the world around us and there's so many people that are afraid of gathering together. But we thank you once again for this opportunity. Lord, we've read the needs that have been brought to the people, Lord, some very serious. Lord, we just ask that you would be a healer as your word says that you are. Be a comforter as your word says that you are. Lord, be with each one where they're at right now, meet the needs and draw us closer to you, Lord. Father, as we're here this morning, we've we've come not to see each other, Lord, but to hear from you. So Lord, we just ask that you would be with our pastor this morning. Be with him as he brings forth the word. Lord, reveal yourself to us in a in a deeper way this morning. We thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Amen. You can have your seats again. Let's sing that song. as Sister Lily Harwell. makes her way to sing her special this morning. I
1: give my mind to you, Lord. I just want to be like you. Someday.
0: Quickly, uh, she's getting ready there. Uh, just to remind everybody, don't forget to sign up for the, the Easter dinner and also for the mother-daughter tea. Those uh, sign-up sheets are in the library there. Sister Lily, for that special. And we have one more just before I have our pastor come forward. Brother John Cockman has a special for us. While he's getting ready there, let's sing this little chorus, Jesus, Draw Me Close. Jesus, draw me close.
3: enter Jerusalem, leading up to his crucifixion as we go into Easter Sunday, um, so thankful for the blood. And those crowds of people who had heard eyewitness reports of the miracles, who had been their own hearts set aflame by his teaching, he looked on them with love and compassion, knowing that many of them would be calling for his life. Opinions swayed by their own religious leaders in just a week's time. You know, the new Jerusalem, the streets may be paved with blood, with, uh, with gold, but they won't be as nearly as precious to the believer as those cobblestone streets of the old Jerusalem stained with the blood of Jesus. I was a wretch, I remember who I was I was lost and I was blind, I was running out of time Since separated, the breach was far too wide And from the far side of the castle, you held me in At the cross, the great divine Left behind heaven's throne To build it here inside and there At the cross, you paid the debt I owe Broke my chains, freed my soul For the first time I have hope Thank you, Jesus, for the blood
1: of life.
3: I'm the blood. darkness,
1: and the glory of life. Thank
3: you, Jesus, for the blood of life. Thank you, Jesus, it has washed me wide. Thank you, Jesus, you have saved
1: my life.
3: Brought me from the darkness,
0: and glorious light. Okay. Hallelujah. Man, I'm glad He brought us from that darkness into glorious light. Let's stand. I'm going to invite our deacons to come forward at this time. Man, for the first time since this wretched plague began, we're going to be taking an offering the old-fashioned way. (laughs) Amen. I hope you'll take this time to just dedicate, amen, a special offering to the Lord. Man, know that your tithes and offerings go to further God's kingdom. Brother Mike, would you lead us in prayer, sir? to sing that song as our pastor comes forward. I sing praises to your name. Key of G. And I sing praises to your name. Just real sincere now.
1: Praises to I sing praises to your name. Oh, Lord, oh, praises to your name. Oh, Lord, oh, for oh, 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 your name is great and great to be praised. Again, I sing Praise to your name, oh Lord. for your name is great and greatly to be praised. Praises Oh we sing praises
4: we trust you delight in the praises of your people today. And we lift our voices, we lift our hearts, we lift our minds, we lift everything we have to give you thanks, Lord, for all you have done for us. We thank you, Lord, for this people. We thank you, Lord, for believing hearts. We thank you for a message that has come in this last day. We thank you, Lord, for your presence among us so strong today. And Lord, we thank you for this place. We rededicated to you now in the name of Jesus Christ, and pray that everything that is done here may bring glory to your name. We pray that everyone that comes here might be touched by the presence of Almighty God. We pray, dear God, that all we do, it might be pleasing in some way to you, and bring honor to your great name. Father, may we reverence this place, may we hallow it, and Lord, we just give it to you now. We, we give it back to you in faith, believing, Lord, that You've always desired a sanctuary to come and to be able to move among your people. Lord, bless this day, we pray. We give you thanks for how you love us and how you have blessed us and ministered to us. I pray you'd anoint the word now to every heart. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you. You may be seated this morning. Thank you, musicians. We let you take your places today. And welcome, everyone, to the new Hickory Bible Tabernacle. It is an honor to have all of you here today, and uh, just a real blessing to be able to see so many of you, tightly packed and uh, all, in the, all in this place today. So we, uh, we just want to welcome all of you. We're missing several. Don't know where we'd put them, uh, but we are uh, honored to have all of you here today. Good to have Brother Roger with us uh, today. Uh, and the drums, good to have them here, each and every one of you, and our guests and visitors, and the Belton's, good to have you here today. Uh, we, uh, we are honored to be able to come in this place today, and I don't want to prolong things uh, just to give you a couple of announcements and a little bit of a preamble here uh, as we begin our service, and it's just... Uh, uh, nice. I, I, I want to say we appreciated our fellowship hall and it certainly uh, was uh, functional in, in our time of uh, you know, being able to do this. It would have been very hard to do it without the fellowship hall, that's for sure. Uh, but we are uh, grateful to be back in such nice and comfortable surroundings here. A little bit more in just a moment here. Let me do a couple of uh, birthday announcements here that we missed last Sunday, March 14th, with Sister Connie Hughes' birthday. God bless you, Sister Connie. Brother David, March 15th. God bless you, Brother David. March 17th was Samuel Brown's birthday. Samuel, how old were you on the 17th? Five years old. And it was Sophia Coffey's birthday as well. And Sophia turned six years old. Good to have her with us today. Uh, The Johnson sisters are away today. March 19th was Sister Haley's birthday. Don't worry, we'll announce it when she's here. And yesterday was Brother Aaron's birthday. They were going to be uh, with us today. Next week, Lord willing, we probably will do a dedication, so we're looking forward uh, to meeting the new member of the Nangamaza family. And uh, Brother Chris Clavel, good to have the Clavels back uh, with us today. And March 25th is your birthday, right? So we don't ask this often, but how old are you going to be on your birthday? Really? It's halfway to 70. March 26th is Ben and Rachel Pritchard's uh, anniversary. God bless you. How many years, Ben? 16 years. God bless you. Appreciate the Pritchards. Troy and Connie Hughes anniversary, same day. How many years? 54 years. God bless you. That's a milestone, and we appreciate you both very much. And the Reynolds have uh, an anniversary as well. 5 0. Really? This coming 27th, 50th wedding anniversary. God bless you both. That's a real milestone as well, and we're glad to have you with us, and uh, trust your day will be blessed. My, that's wonderful. Real, uh, real accomplishments there, and may the Lord bless you all. Let me just give you just a couple of quick pictures here. This is Loli on the uh, ten, uh, Tanzania, and uh, how do you like your new screens? Uh, this is now we can finally see these pictures, and uh, it's just so nice and clear. This is the area where the Masai people are, and you see new faces every time. Uh, and this is the uh, work of uh, a lot of the work of Brother Malachi, who's over on the right-hand side of your picture here. Uh, I, I think if there was uh, still any spots left in Hebrews 11, I think Brother Malachi would probably slide right in there. Uh, just a, if I could do it, I'd love to bring him over here. He's just a real, uh, real man of God, and uh, goes into those areas and doesn't know anybody in those little villages, and it just uh, he just stands there and starts witnessing. Just like this, he'll stop at a bus stop. And he'll just take out his Bible and he'll start preaching. He'll start testifying about what God's done in our time. And that's why a lot of this growth happens in that part of the world. But this is, I mean, this, no electricity, no water, no services, nothing. And he just, uh, he'll find a couple of people in a place and just uh, begin witnessing and testifying uh, no matter where they are. And uh, just does a great work. So Brother Elias sent me a couple of those pictures uh, last night. This is the church in Chahota in Zimbabwe, and this is the group that Brother Aaron uh, connected us with and they 're just going gangbusters on this uh, new church here uh, i 'd love to up the road uh, i 'd love to be able to take a crew of guys and uh, go down there and help build and, and uh, get some of these churches uh, you know erected there and These brothers are just they 're so dedicated and they 're just moving right along it 's just wonderful. Uh, to see the progress that they're making. We appreciate that very much. Now, uh, we're going to turn to the Word in just a moment here, but I I just wanted to do this little thing here this morning. I I think it'll be nice for us uh, on Easter Sunday, Lord willing, to do a little uh, more formal dedication of our place uh, here today and a rededication, if you like, uh, of our sanctuary. And I just want to say that for everyone involved who was... Uh, laboring and, uh, you know, our committees and everybody else who helped design things and make it look as nice as it did and coordinated as it does and everything from scraping every square inch of this and uh, redoing it and uh, getting rid of our crack up there and uh, all the way to the cross, uh, which Peter did. Peter's not here this morning, uh, but fashioned a cross himself and... Um, Got it, uh, got it up there for us, and uh, I mean just so many things out in the lobby. We're not completely renovated out there yet, but uh, that's coming. And uh, we we just want to say our heartfelt thanks to, to everybody from the from the first time that uh, you know we moved our chairs out to the last sweep of the broom last night when the Harvells were here and making sure everything was spotless for us today. Uh, we just want to say our very much a heartfelt thanks and. And uh, may the Lord richly bless you. And I'm not going to name all the names now because I don't want to miss anybody. But uh, to all of you that labored and and worked so hard, thank you. And may God bless you. Let's give them a round of applause. (laughs) But every crew needs a crew leader. And from the beginning, uh, two or three years ago, Uh, Ben and I talked about the the work that needed to be done here. Uh, We talked about, you know, the need for uh, some changes here and had not really done any substantive changes in the sanctuary uh, since it was built, I think, Sister Faye, and, uh, you know, just, uh, uh, you know, over time and, you know, using our assembly as much as we do. And we, we, we like to use our facilities. We like to use our fellowship hall and all that we have. God's blessed us in a great way. And naturally, wear and tear, uh, you know, calls for some changes. So Ben and I have talked about it. We saved for years uh, to do all this. It's all paid for. Everything is all completely uh, paid, and and we're thankful for that. But uh, at the beginning, you know, part of my job is to share the vision, and uh, God in his uh, great uh, providence allows people to come along and help carry out that vision and Uh, you know, it, it, it takes leadership and it takes somebody to crack the whip. Uh, it takes somebody to keep all the, all the subcontractors and everybody working, the electricians and the, uh, everything that, that takes place. And so today I just wanted to do this to honor brother Ben for his leadership and work in, uh, doing, uh, just an outstanding job here. Ben, come on up. We have a little something for you from the church and, uh, we just want to say a special, very special thank you to you uh, for your personal, the amount of hours that you put in. This does not compensate for all those hours, uh, but for your dedication and your leadership, we surely do appreciate that, and may God bless you. Amen. It takes a leader, but it takes a good crew to follow the leader, and we appreciate each and every one. We'll get to you. Let's stand to our feet this morning. Let's turn in the Word, if you don't mind, to Proverbs chapter 19. Proverbs, the 19th chapter. We've had a lot of preliminary here now, so let's just uh, focus this morning and uh, just join with me as we turn our thoughts to the Word here for a little lesson that the Lord laid on my heart. Proverbs chapter 19. Solomon wrote, there are many devices. The word devices there does not mean this. The devices he's talking about are the thoughts, the ideas, the inventions that people have in their hearts. He said, there are many devices in man's heart. Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord, that shall stand. May the Lord add his blessing. You may be seated. This subject is not a subject that's new or different for you. As a matter of fact, in many ways, it's a very basic thing because it seems like in Scripture there are many, many, many instances and stories and lessons and principles that speak about finding the mind of God. Knowing the will of God, catching or tapping into the purpose of God, and carrying out his will. There are also, too, whether you're young or whether you're old, we are faced with, constantly we're faced with choices. We're constantly faced with making decisions. And I don't care whether you're young and you have all of life stretched out ahead of you. Whether it's school or marriage or friends or what kind of music I'm going to listen to, either way, there are always choices that we need to make. Some of the choices we just come to because of time, and then there are other choices that are thrust upon us. There are circumstances that demand you to give an answer. Whether you're young or old, and in the August season of life, we have a whole different set of choices to make altogether. We're not investing, we're reaping. We don't worry about, uh, you know, what we're going to do in life. We worry about what we did in life. And uh, there are lots of things that we need to think about on the other side of the spectrum. And there's always choices. Now you have different choices about your health and about your future, about your legacy and all of that when you're a little bit older. But you know what? No matter where you are on that spectrum, From the beginning of life to the end of life, you've got choices to make. And we always, as a people, we are conditioned to go to the absolute or to find the standard that God has raised and judge our choices and decisions according to that. How many can say amen? We want to be able to move and operate by the will of God. We want to be able to know the mind of Christ. And as Paul writes in the New Testament here, he says, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption. And that implies that over time, we learn from our choices. We learn from our mistakes. We learn how to make better choices. We learn how to make better decisions in life. All of us face that. But Paul ties that, that that maturing process, uh, to the heart's cry of every believer, which is to cry, Abba, Father. And as Sister sang this morning, hold my hand in the middle of my storm. We, we as believers, we realize we are, we are handicapped in this sense that none of us know the future. None of us know what the consequences really of our decisions is going to be. I may choose to marry somebody. Here's John Anthony here and made a choice and Sister Hannah, you know, swooned and... I mean, but, you know, you have, you have couples starting out, and we, we feel like, all right, I got this. I know what's going to happen. You don't. You don't. You stood there as a young whippersnapper at the altar and said, when the preacher said, will you honor, obey, and love, and sickness, and in health, and the richer for poor?" and you looked at him and said, with all your heart, you said, I will, and you didn't have a clue. <laughs> you didn't have an iota what that meant. Therefore, we say, Lord, hold my hand in the middle of my storm. Because there are going to come situations that I never planned for. And there are going to come times of making a decision that I'm going to need your help. Because you know the future. And there are many plans, there are many thoughts that I have, many things in my heart. But nevertheless, it's the counsel of the Lord that shall stand. And so Paul writes again in Ephesians, see that you walk circumspectly, and not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time. So as we look carefully, we don't look at what other people are doing. We don't look at, uh, you know, what might be the easiest path. We as believers, we have one overriding principle or authority in our life, and that is the Word of God. No matter what I do, I want to make sure that at the end of the day, I can put my head on the pillow and God will say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. How many would agree? That's the, that's the phrase I long to hear when I go through the, uh, the gates above. And we want to redeem the time. And so be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Now, in a sense, it sounds easy when we say it this way. That the will of God is something, all right, we go to God, we find out what it is, bang, we'll do it. It's not always that easy because there are obstacles and there are There are decisions that are not always real obvious. Then we'll add in this little element and say that pleasant words are as a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and health to the bones. And there's a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. It seems like at the beginning this is very doable, this is very right, this is very uh, logical, and I feel led, or I had a dream, or so-and-so, uh, you know, told me this, or whatever else. And we, we, have a, we have ways that seem right, they feel right, they look right, and work for somebody else. But the end thereof is the ways of death. And we want to avoid those things. We want to not be uh, just pulled in by pleasant words because they sound sweet, which is what a honeycomb is. We want to, we want to make sure that the Lord is guiding us and the Lord is impressing us to make the choices that we're making. It's very important. Here's Brother Branham again, <clears throat> and I'm going a little quickly here because uh, some of this stuff is, is old hat to us. God's will is a mystery, and each man has to seek out the will of God for his or herself, God's mystery. God's mystery for your life, the, the puzzle, the, the maze that God wants you to walk uh, in this journey. How do we find out? Paul, it was known to him, he said he didn't confer with any man, no flesh or blood. He had nothing to do with it. It was revealed to him by Jesus Christ who met him on the road to Damascus. I want you to cast, I think, one of the most important uh, lines in this, uh, in this little statement here. Watch this. How do we find out? That's the same quote. God's will is a mystery and each man has got to seek it out. Well, how do we find out? That's the question, isn't it? How do we find out? How do we really know that what I'm planning, that what I'm praying about, that the decision I'm leaning towards, how do I know that that's God's will? How do I know that that's the path God wants me to walk on? That my friend is the question every one of us want to have the answer to, right? And yet I know that nobody is ever going to tell you the will of God for you. You're going to have to seek it out for yourself. I'll tell you what also doesn't happen is that it doesn't get pulled along behind a a biplane in the sky. You know one of those big banners that they have? Every one of us. I mean, I think every one of us has probably said at one time or another, wouldn't it be great if God just put the name of my future spouse on one of those banners and flew it past HBT and then we'd all know? Wouldn't that be great? Don't hold your breath. So how do we find out? And really, that's the question that we want to try to answer today, or at least guide you towards an answer, because nobody really is going to have that answer for you. But I will say this, I will say this, that when we find out, uh, you know, how wise and how all-knowing God is, He knows that uh, He's the only one who knows the future. So therefore, we rely upon what He gives us in order to make the best choices possible. We find that uh, Zechariah, who is talking about John the Baptist coming in Luke chapter 1, and thou, child, shalt be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways. This is about John the Baptist. To give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins, through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the dayspring from on high hath visited us, to give light to them that sit in darkness and so forth. So God knows, and this is Zechariah declaring a real true principle, that in order for us to know, God's got to communicate something to us, and therein do we find our title, that we want to get our orders from on high. Does that make sense? You don't need a pastor who's a dictator, who tells you where you should go, and what you should wear, and who you should marry. There are people who feign to be pastors who do that. You don't need that. You don't need somebody in life telling you what your every move should be and what your every investment should be. You should have a freedom. I think especially spiritually, you should have a freedom to be able to be led by the Spirit of God because that's how sons and daughters are led, right? And so therefore, what we depend upon is the the Spirit of God being poured out from on high to lead us, to guide us, very simple, and to correct us or check us when we're making steps down the wrong pathway. Is everybody with me? Now, in saying that, Brother Branham, he goes on, and and, and then Jesus came, and he said, now Jesus knew what the Father's will was, and what a blessed privilege it is to know, what a blessed privilege it is that we can know the Father's will. Yes, it's a it's a blessing to be able to say that we can know the Father's will. We may not know the will for every part of our life coming up, but it's a comforting thing to know that you are where you're supposed to be today, and the God who led me to where I am is the God who will lead me into that unknown tomorrow. So therefore, it's a it's a privilege, it's a blessed privilege to be able to know the Father's will. I, you know, like, in a corporate sense, let's say this. I think it's a wonderful thing to know the will of God for this nation and for the bride of Christ coming up, right? To know that the tribulation is, is uh, a place that's not reserved for the bride of Christ. How many believe that? What a privilege it is to know that. What a blessing it is to know that. We, we, we have that from a prophet, right? We have that from the Scripture. That, that, hey, the tribulation's not on our agenda. It's not on the menu for the bride of Christ. Glory to God. I think that's a wonderful thing. I don't know, some of you don't look real happy about that. I think this is a time for you to smile. This is a time for you to be happy. This is a time for you to say, thank you, Jesus. I'm glad I'm a part of the bride of Christ. It's a blessed privilege to know what the will of God is for the bride. We're going to the wedding supper instead of the tribulation. We are we are bound for glory, and I'm, I'm excited about that. I hope you are as well. What will what will my steps look like between now and the change of my body? I'm not entirely sure, but I do. I have learned this over the years. I have every confidence that the God who has led me to right here is the God's going to the God who's going to take me the last few steps of the way. Whether it's a short period or whether it's a long period, let me tell you, I believe that He's going to see us through. And if we will seek God, God will make known His will. Yes, you have lots of thoughts and plans and inventions. you got lots of ideas. Uh, you got lots of, uh, you know, dreaming that's gone on. But I'll tell you what, I believe it's a very sound thing. And I believe it's important for us to encourage our uh, young men who are going to be fathers and husbands later in life to seek the will of God early so that they would know what God would have them to do, so that they would have uh, a strength and a position of authority when they uh, stand at the altar and take a bride on their arm and say, well, let's walk through uh, eternity together. I know where I'm going. I know where I'm supposed to be. I know what I'm supposed to be doing. I know uh, for now, Uh, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. Come on, some of your brothers say amen. I think it's a good thing for us to remind our young men that that's what they need to aim for, even though they don't know what their entire future is going to be. But yet I know that this is the place that God's got me. This is the uh, the gift that God's given me. This is the talent God's put in me. And this is the place that God wants me to be. Not always easy and not always a simple thing. But I will tell you this, that if we will seek God, God will make known His will. Brother Branham says what a privilege it is to find our place and, and there abide every one of us feel that way. And so the pieces of the puzzle come together over time that we learn not to be conformed to this world. And that's a tough thing because the world is filled with all kinds of dreams and wishes and possibilities that are contrary to the Word of God, right? I mean, if you told me that you wanted to open up a beauty salon and cut women's hair, I'd have to say, well... You know what? It might be lucrative in the world, but it might not be the best occupation for a believer, uh, especially if you're sitting in your own chair. But be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good, acceptable and perfect will of God. God wants you to know that. God wants you to walk in that. And God wants you to be confident in that because you're going to uh, need to have that now. Uh, Let me give you a shocking something Brother Branham says in 1965. Not all that says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter in, but one who doeth the will of my Father. His will is His Word. Say that with me. His will is His Word. Now for all of you latecomers, let's do it again. His will is His Word. You always know I'm going to do it the third time. That means that You cannot say you're doing the will of God if you're doing something contrary to his word. If the opposite is also true, you can't be in his will if you're doing something contrary to his word. And let's be honest and say this. If God has led a prophet to say something, and you've got a leading to do something contrary to that prophet, I'm going to go with the prophet. If you've got a leading to do something contrary to a prophet, you've got a choice to make. And your choice is your business. I'm not here to make your choices. You have a choice to make. But when it comes to this house, when it comes to this church, when it comes to HBT, over which I am the watchman, your choices sometimes force me to make choices that I don't always want to make, but I'll make them. You have a choice when it comes to some leading that's contrary to a prophet or contrary to the Bible. I don't have to go for that. That's your choice. But when it comes to this house, your choices sometimes will dictate the fact that now I've got to make a choice. And as uncomfortable as that would be, I'll do it. Because that's my job, and my job description does not put you on the front of the who I've got to please list. (laughs) When it comes to who I have to please first and most, it's him. So Brother Branham says this, his will is his word. We can never be so, we can never be so religious and have great times and shouting and jumping in these meetings, which I don't want to be critical, but I have a duty to God. And that duty is to be sincere and to say what he wants me to say. The very best thing that I could say to you is the whole counsel of God and let you make your choices and let God deal with your heart. But you can't take those choices and bring them in here and affect the rest of the body. Let me tell you something. Let's just say, let's, for example, let's just say uh, that if you were, uh, you know, you were Sister Becky, and uh, just for an example, and uh, she decided now that she wanted to jazz up the music. And so we're going to play Christian jazz, which is an oxymoron, right? And she decides to jazz everything up. And uh, change that. Now listen, she may have an interest in jazz, but when it comes to the house of God, that's a different story. Because I don't believe that Christian jazz has any place in the house of God. Who's going to say that? Who's who's going to object to that? Well, the person who's got the right to object to that. That's me. That's me. Remember this, when you make choices that are contrary to the Word of God, hey, that's entirely up to you, because it's, it is your life. And I pray that you will never make choices contrary to the Word of God. I pray that your choices will always be in harmony with the Word of God. How many, how many desire that in your life? That's why, Lord, leave me to do that. Give me that, Lord, whatever it is, and check me when I'm wrong. But, and if you do make a choice that's contrary to the Word of God, let me tell you, I have the right and I have uh, the, the office, which allows me to make sure that your choice does not affect other people in this assembly. Are we okay? Just Sorry, just take a pastoral moment there. <clears throat> Watch what he says. <clears throat> I have this duty to God to say what he wants me to say. It isn't just a right. It is a duty. I love the way that Towser said it, Outside of the will of God, there's nothing I want. And inside the will of God, there's nothing I fear. Let me say it again. Outside of the will of God, there's nothing I want. Can you say that? Inside the will of God, there's nothing I fear. Outside of the will of God, there's nothing I want. But inside the will of God, there's nothing to fear. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Are we okay? Everybody all right? Okay. So here's Brother Branham again. God making his promise. He says, and a church will never fail. Never will a church fail. And never will a program fail, as long as those who are in charge stay in the center of God's will. God's will is perfect. Now, didn't we just read a minute ago that God's will is his word? Right. And God's will is perfect. So therefore, it doesn't need our help. It doesn't need improvement if it's perfect. It's already, it's already achieved that place. And everything will fall right into its place if you'll stay in God's will. But get out of God's will here and it throws the whole program out. So the important thing then is to seek God, like Brother Ram says, and seek God and find out uh, what it is that God would have me to do. All right. So Here's the problem. That's the preamble. Here's the problem. I love to bring a problem or a question into this. How, then, do we deal with conflicting issues? If I love somebody, or I feel I love somebody who's not in the message, how do I reconcile this with that? How do I, uh, you know, uh, reconcile my thoughts and feelings and even my dreams with the mind of God? And if God is, it, it's, it, I feel like, if, if somebody has, uh, you know, has encouraged me or impressed me to pursue something and yet there's something that's contrary in the Bible to it, what do I do then? How do I check this? How do I know? Because we're all human and we're all subject to, Right? We're all subject to, we're subject to influences, we're subject to people who have good intentions, we're subject to all kinds of feelings, and we're also subject to fears, fears of getting old, uh, fe- fears I'll never find a wife or a husband, or fears of, I, I, hey, we're human, and I get that, and I understand that. And I respect that. That's not to disregard what people feel. Can we trust our feelings, though? When it comes to critical and important things, can we trust our feelings? Because there's going to come a time in your life, if you've never encountered it, where you're going to experience this. It's a fork of the road. Now, watch what Brother Branham says. Is it all right now if we let Brother Branham answer some of those questions? Is that all right? I'm going to help. But let's look at what the Word says and what Brother Random says. Now, dreams are not an assurance. Every dream is not from God. I'd like us all to say that, if you don't mind. Every dream is not from God. Just like every thought is not from God. In our text, we read that, uh, you know, there are many thoughts and inventions and ideas that men have. But you know what stands? The counsel of God. That's what stands. That's the thing that's sure. Not our thoughts, not our plans, not our inventions, not our dreams. Now, there's many people that has dreams. They have all kinds of dreams. You go to bed at night and eat a big supper and go to bed. You might dream anything. You might have a fever, have all kinds of nightmares. That isn't God. But yet, God does deal with people through dreams, Right? We know that. That's a secondary way, but it is a way, and God did that. God did it with Joseph, the husband of Mary. Uh, There are many instances in Scripture, and there's many things in your life, probably God dealt with you and gave you some kind of a confirmation or a dream that helped you understand something. Uh, Certainly dreams can be of God, but every dream is not from God. How does he know? He knows. I'll tell you what, Brother Branham had some people give him wacky dreams. I've had some people give me dreams that, uh, you know, were clear. Uh, some dreams that were not so clear, but probably of God. And had other other dreams you could probably say, uh, we'll just leave that one on the shelf. <clears throat> Let's just look at a scripture here. Let's go to Jeremiah chapter 29. You've got to look here. You have to open your Bible and look at this one because this is the only screen that has this. These verses on it. But I want you to look at something in Jeremiah chapter 9. This is one of the most familiar passages uh, that we will uh, read because we often mention this when it comes to uh, the will of God, and that's found in Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. And we often give that to graduates, so we often think about, you know, when people are thinking about their future. Let's go to chapter 29, the first verse. This is just the background. Now, these are the words of the letter. This chapter is a letter that was actually written from Jeremiah, sent from Jerusalem unto the residue of the elders that were carried away captive into Babylon. So this, what you're reading here, is actually a letter that Jeremiah wrote. Jeremiah wrote it because God gave it to him and said to him, Say it this way. Let's go down to verse 4. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, unto all that are carried away captive, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem unto Babylon. If you're in Babylon now, you're there because I brought you there. As a matter of fact, if you're in Babylon with the carried away group, you're in the will of God. You're in the place that God's put you. Is that all right? I mean, that's, that's, you're there because I put you there. And you're there because of punishment. You're there because of the iniquity of your fathers. And you're going to be there 70 years. Talk about having clarity about the will of God, right? Hey, this is where you're supposed to be. Set the clock. You're going to be there 70 years. That's the way it is, boys. That's God's will. Build ye houses, dwell in them, plant gardens, and eat the fruit of them. Take ye wives, beget sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and your daughters daughters to your husbands, that they may bear sons and daughters, that ye may be increased there and not diminished. In other words, let me paraphrase it this way. When you're in the place I send you to, when you're in the place I placed you, and you do things my way, you will have increase. Even when you're considered prisoners. When you're considered a captive, and they were, right? They were, cab- they were held captive, led off in chains by Nebuchadnezzar and his army. Uh, when you're there, if you'll just look at, hold he's saying to them, look at it this way. You're thinking one way. Here are the people in captivity, and this is why God writes them a letter, because he loves them. And he wants them to know something. You're thinking one way. You're thinking, goodness, I had a good farm going and crops were good and had everything planted already this year. And What's my field going to look like, Mike, in 70 years? In 70 years, I come back and look at the Pritchard heating and cooling. What's that going to look like if I'm not around in 70 years and my dear wife is down in Babylon and everybody calls and wants an appointment What's my business going to look like in seventy years? And what's my, you know, I mean, what, what's, what's our, what's our city going to look like in seventy years? And here we are captive, and we can't go, and we're locked down. And, uh, and my goodness, we, we don't have freedom of movement; we can't go anywhere for seventy years. Here we are. Everything we built up is going to be gone. All of our savings we're going to spend here down in captivity, and they don't even have online banking down here in Babylon. And my goodness, look at look at this. And, and God writes him a letter, and He says, "Hey, you know what? You know what I was doing today?" I was thinking thoughts about you. I was just thinking about you. And the thoughts that I have are thoughts of good and not of evil. And, and I, you're, you're thinking about this one way. I'm thinking about this another way. And You're, you're there because I sent you there and I allowed all of this to happen here. And i got a little piece of advice for you. If you do things my way, even when you're a prisoner, you'll increase. You'll be blessed. You'll prosper. Rule number one. That the will of God is not always easy. The will of God does not always make sense. And in the will of God, you may not always have all the answers. Like, what's my business going to look like in 70 years? What's the farm? What condition is the farm going to be in in 70 years? My favorite horse is going to be dead. Just a saddle left on the ground. But God is saying, you know what? This is my doing. You just do things my way. Watch how I do this. And even as prisoners, even in bondage, You'll increase, you'll prosper, good things are going to come out of this. He even says in verse 7, Seek the peace of the city wherewith I have caused you to be carried away captive. He doesn't want the people to misunderstand this, that you're there because I carried you away. And pray unto the Lord for it, for in the peace uh, thereof you shall have peace. Which is an amazing thing. We read also in Second Timothy chapter 2 how that Paul said we should pray for governors and people who are in authority. Uh, you know, that all men might live in peace, right? I mean, the same principle that we find over here. The only place that God never says for you to pray for the city or pray for the condition around you is number one in Sodom. And number two is the days of Noah. He doesn't say to Noah, pray for all these people around you here. God says, hey, I'm finished. I'm done. There is a line you can cross with God, Right? It's just like last Sunday. You remember last Sunday when uh, Samuel uh, told the people, because God told Samuel, uh, let them go. Hey, if they want to make a king, you know what? People are going to do what they're going to do, so let them make a king. But when they go out the door, make sure they hear the warning I give them about what the consequences of their choices are. And rejecting divine leadership, what that's really going to mean. So make sure you tell them that when they go out the door. But... Uh, God is saying to them that uh, you you need to pray for the peace of the city because if you pray for the peace of the city, then you'll live in peace. I mean, if if God, uh, you know, blesses your rulers and and blesses the mayor of the city and the government and so forth, you'll have peace, except, except in those two instances, which are Sodom and also in the days of Noah, because they never went down and held a tent revival in Sodom. God went down to see, is it really as bad as what? I mean, are they still signing executive orders down there? My goodness. Look at that. Wow. Wow, they are doing crazy stuff. Equality act? In the words of John Harwell. In the word of John Harwell. Really? <laughs> Equality? And God went down to see, was it really that bad? He didn't go down and, said, he didn't go down and say, hey, let's, let's see what we can do here. Let's, let's send a Jonah into here like he did in Nineveh. None of that. When it came to Sodom, there was none of that. You know, what, you know what God had? He had fire waiting above the whole thing. And the only deliverance was out, not to remain in. That's the only two places in the Bible where you'll find that this principle doesn't apply, where God tells his servants to pray for the peace of the city so that you will enjoy the peace therein. Verse 8. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, watch this. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Let not your, your prophets, this is not my prophets, But let not your prophets and your diviners that be in the midst of you deceive you, neither hearken to your dreams which ye cause to be dreamed. Wow. Isn't that interesting? That you can come up with your own vision and you can come up with your own dream and you can come up with your own idea. And you know what? You can come up with your own idea about some cockamamie scheme or something that's contrary to the will of God. Put it online and you got a thousand likes before lunch. And somehow or another, people perversely feel vindicated, even though they ought to know better that the will of God, which is the Word of God, says something contrary. Let's grow up. Let's stop doing stupid sorry but let's, let's use, like Paul says, be circumspect. Be wise and looking all around you to find out what the will of God is. Am I being plain enough? Listen, folks, we, we, we're at a serious point, And I, I know we always say that, but yet it's just amazing how even as, as Jeremiah warns them in the letter here, you have diviners among you. You have your prophets among you. You have your kind of ministry among you that's not going to check you on that. That's not going to stop uh, saying, you know, that's not going to uh, stop encouraging that. And, uh, you know, tell the people, hey, believe what you want, do what you want, leave what you want, just come and pay tithes. Listen, there's more to this than just coming, dragging your carcass here and paying tithes. There's more to this than just bringing your kids here and saying, well, I brought them there how many times? I wish I had a dollar. For every time, my wife and I have heard that saying of people, uh, you know, whose kids are off in the world somewhere on drugs, and they say to me, but I brought them to church every Sunday. Brought them to church every Sunday. I think that's great that you bring them to church every Sunday. But you know, the Christian life is not lived just on Sunday. Christian life is lived around your dining room table. Christian life is lived around when, uh, you know, things go wrong in your house. Christian life is lived in the morning when you get up and in the nighttime when you go to bed. We're Christians all day long. We're Christians every day. And you can't go home and chew the pastor up into little bits and spit them out and pick the residue out with a toothpick and, and have your kids grow up and respect the pastor for very long. doesn't work. You can't cheat on your taxes and cheat on your tithes and have your kids to be honest with their money. can't do that, folks. And this is what he's saying. There are ministers and there are uh diviners among you, and he says, They're gonna hearken to your dreams. They're gonna they're gonna you know, he's a big time payer. so we want to hearken to what he's got to say. For thus saith the Lord ten, after that after seventy years be accomplished in Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you in causing you. I caused you to come, I'll cause you to go. There's nothing can stop you from being where I place you. There's nothing can keep you when I take you from there to bring you back. That's that's the promise that he gives to them. So this is not a people that are uh, in bondage or in lockdown uh, and on their own. God says, I brought you there. You know what? You're gonna you're gonna uh, be established there for 70 years, mar- get married, uh, plant gardens, and all the rest of it. And then when time when the time comes, I'll bring you right back to this place again. Uh, I, I, in other words, I'm the overseer of this entire program. How many believe that God's still the same yesterday, today, and forever, and He's the overseer of your life? He's the overseer of where you are today and why you're here in this age today and why you're in this assembly and God is an overseer. God's got better control than you give Him credit for. Are we all right? And I want to tell you this. He says, I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you an expected end. You can count on this. And then shall you call upon me, and you shall go and pray unto me, and I will, look at it, I will hearken unto you. What a great thing it is to know that when you go to God, and you're in the will of God, and you're in the place that God's placed you, and you come to God, He will hearken unto you. I want Him always to be in a place where, where he, he'll, hearken, he'll hear my prayer. I want Him to be, I want Him, I want to be on the right right grounds, the right relationship with Him so that He'll hear my prayer for you. I don't want my prayer for you to fall on deaf ears. Because there are times when you need somebody to pray for you because you just don't feel like praying at all. You're sick as a dog or, uh, you know, you're in a situation where things are falling apart and you don't have answers for it. Or you're in some place that you can't get out of or some hole that you fell into because of the devil's traps or whatever else. And you don't, you don't even know what's going on. You don't even know how to pray. You want somebody to pray for you. You want somebody who will just get down without any emotional mix-up in it at all or any kind of bias and just say, Lord, that's your child. That's the enemy that's got them. Lord, be merciful and just reach down and pick them out and deliver them. We've seen you do it before. Lord, do it again. Let me tell you, I've done it before. I believe that's a really, really good thing that pastors do. Real pastors care about where their sheep are. And I'll be found of you, verse 14. But can we go to 15? Is that all right? I'm not going to read it all. But this is what he says, kind of like the P.S. Because ye have said, the Lord hath raised us up prophets in Babylon. Now, remember these prophets? These prophets are your prophets. And these prophets are the ones that hearken unto you in your dreams. Because ye have said, the Lord has raised up prophets in Babylon. And he did not. We don't know of any prophet he raised up in Babylon. But you know what he did? He sent a prophet with him. You know what his name was? Daniel. He sent Daniel with him, right? Daniel was not even shaving by the time that he went down to Babylon. But nonetheless, uh, th- there was no prophets that the Lord raised up in Babylon. And he says, "Know that thus saith the Lord of the king uh, that sitteth upon the throne of David, and all the people that dwelt in the city and the brethren are not gone forth with you into captivity. And thus saith the Lord of hosts, Behold, I will send unto them the sword, the famine, pestilence, and will make them like vile figs. Wow. Being compared to vile figs that cannot be eaten, they are so evil. God says there's another group of people here that are involved with these prophets that you you have down there and you listen to them. And and, in 18, he says, I'll persecute them with the sword and with famine. I'm going to take care of these guys. They're not even going to be around when it comes to coming back. Why is God upset with that group? Why is God all of a sudden now saying the opposite of what he says in verse 11 uh, to this group over here? This group here, he says, I know the thoughts I think towards you. They're good thoughts, not bad thoughts. But there's some people there, and they're, listen, they're not Babylonians. Hear me. They're not Babylonians. They're people among you. This is what he says. I'm just telling you what the book says. There are people among you. Let's find out why God got so upset with them and why He was going to come after them with the sword and the famine and so forth. It's found in verse 19 if you want to take a look with me. Because they have not hearkened unto my words, saith the Lord, which I sent by my servants, the prophets rising up early and sending them. But you wouldn't hear. What is it about a person? What kind of spirit is this that we're dealing with when a person can sit and hear the right thing and absolutely consistently refuse it? When they know that the counsel of God is the only thing that's going to stand. When they know that men's minds and hearts are full of inventions and thoughts and dreams and everything else, and they can sit right there in a congregation and hear the counsel of God and turn from it, God says there's nothing left to do but to send the famine and the sword and all those other things that are in there. You say, Brother Barry, that was Old Testament. That doesn't happen today. (coughs) Well, if you believe that, i got some oceanfront property in West Virginia. I'd be glad to sell you after the service. All right, let's look at Brother Ram's experience, all right? Brother Ram's experience. This is a story. If somebody gets a little something that the Lord's revealed to him, and it doesn't coincide with the Bible, then we will not accept it. And... It just, it can't just come by somebody's revelation. If the revelation is right with the Word, all right, but it just can't come because you say, I got a revelation. I got a leading. I had a dream. How many know now that all dreams are not of God? All impressions are not the impression of the Holy Spirit. All our thoughts are not thus saith the Lord, because you're in the message. My head is filled with lots of thoughts. All week. <laughs> a man come I better stop. A man come to me and said, I just come to the U.S., Brother Branham. I got acquainted with a Christian sister, most lovely woman. You know what? They always are. They always are. Pretty as a picture. Come to find out, she had three or four husbands. And while I knowed her, since being here, she's got rid of that one and married another one. And she had the Holy Ghost, spoke in tongues regularly, and gave prophecies and revelation. She's a real spirit-filled woman. And was a lady minister. You know where this is going, right? And I went and I asked the Lord, why would such and such a thing be? And why is it that this woman could do such as this? Let me just stop and say this. Sounds like she's pretty convinced that she's right. Right? Otherwise she wouldn't be, you know, bent on marrying and remarrying, feeling it's all right, and being a minister at the same time. I don't doubt she's called. She's not called by God. That's for sure. So we have a conflict here, right? But not only now is this a problem because of her. She's a problem. That's a problem situation. But he's believing it, and he's pursuing her. He wants to make somehow the Word of God allow him to make this happen. In other words, he's not wanting to listen. There's two ways to go at it. You can either find out what God says and act accordingly, or find out what you want and make God agree. One of the other folks. So he says, I had a dream. And my wife was having an affair with another man, which was immoral. And she came and knelt down by my feet and said, will you forgive me for what I've done? And he said, sure, I forgive you. And said, why do you forgive me so freely? This is all in the dream now. Because, uh, because I love you. And said, the Lord spoke back in the dream and told me, that's the reason I forgive her, because I love her. And you know what? Love's of God, right? So it's got to be of God. I said, sir. I love this. Your dream was mighty sweet. It was mighty nice. But the Lord never gave you that dream. Why? Because it doesn't cooperate with the word. That's the reason, folks. It's not that Brother Rams wanting to make this guy's life miserable. (laughs) He's doing a good enough job already. Right? (laughs) He's going to make his life real miserable because, you know what? If she's gone three, four, now five, guess what? Six is looking pretty good to her right? She's divorced five times and married another one. She, you know, she won't be afraid to do it again. But because it doesn't cooperate with the word, that's the problem. That's the issue. So in other words, when it comes to a choice or a decision, we have, there is only really one choice. Does it measure up with the absolute? We have the best, the strongest absolute. The, uh, come on. We have the clearest absolute that any other generation who's lived on the earth ever had. Hey, you have you have the absolute spelled out in Kentucky English. You don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to have a degree to figure out what, what Brother Bram's talking about, right? He's telling it in such plain language as this right here. And he's given us a principle that we find back in the book of Jeremiah. We find all through the scripture. And here's Brother Branham in the last days, and he's telling us the same thing. That you can feel impressed, and you can feel uh, led, and you can feel like you have a dream that's of God. And you can be convinced of things that you feel are right. And it matters not if it doesn't agree or comply with the Word of God. That is our first and our best check of anything that we feel or think. In the Old Testament, they had three ways of knowing a message. First, of course, was the law. We don't have the law today, we have the law with the Word for this hour. And next was by a prophet. Guess what? God blessed us with a prophet in the last day. And then we have secondary ways of doing this by a dreamer. And so we know that God can deal with uh, individuals and he can deal with uh, people in leadership when it comes to dreams, right? But all dreams are not of God. So the checker is, whether, if a dreamer dreams a dream, the checker is, does it comply with the Word of God? Does it cooperate, right? If a prophet says something, didn't Brother Branham tell us, no matter what I tell you, take it back to the Word, Right? And then we have the Word of God. How many believe the Word's right already? It doesn't need correction, right? It doesn't need your enhancement. It doesn't need your embellishment to it at all. It's good. It's good. I'm going to go with that. Let's underscore this. When it comes to ministering spirits, and Satan, hey, he disguises himself like a minister of light, doesn't he? Brother Branham says, last line, he'll never send the Spirit to minister something besides the Word. The Holy Spirit will never send something to you. He'll never impress you to do. He'll never lead you to do something that is besides the Word, something that is outside the Word. And again, let me say, if your impression leads you somewhere, or you're convinced that something is right and it's contrary to what a prophet said, I need to tell you in advance so that you know I'm going to go with a prophet. Because you know what? For one good reason, that is this. He's got the vindication, you don't. And God vindicated and said, I want you to listen to this. Do you believe that God vindicated Brother Ram's ministry and all of that? There is no doubt. I mean, we've got, if you haven't heard him, I've got 1,147 tapes that we can give you uh, that indicate that God uh, said something very specific about that ministry in the last day. So we walk in the flesh, that's true. But we do not war after the flesh. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Because that's Satan's tactic, is to try to hook something in your thinking, to put something in your spirit that is willing, that causes you, sorry, to be willing to, to walk contrary to God's will. Hear what I'm saying to you. Satan's best tactic is to try to embed in you or sow in you something that it becomes so strong, if it's not rooted out, it'll become so strong, it'll cause you to walk contrary to God's way and God's word. And that becomes a stronghold. Casting down imaginations. Where's that? Right here. Casting down every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing into captivity every thought. Where's, it all, where's the war going on? Where's the battle going on? Right here. Right because that's what Satan has access to. And having a readiness to revenge and disobey when your obedience is fulfilled. Let me tell you, the, the best remedy for disobedience is to repent. I mean, it doesn't get any simpler than that. Because God wants you to be strong. He would grant you to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. That's where God wants you to be strong. So that when thoughts arise in the mind where the battles rage, let me tell you, that's, that's where God wants you to throw it down. This is a stronghold. This is Ireland. This is where the Blarney Stone actually is. I have three witnesses who are sitting in this church today who can testify the fact that I kissed the Blarney Stone. You probably don't want to kiss the Blarney Stone, really, because you have to lie on your back and hang out over 14 stories up on your back with two men holding you upside down because the stone is up here. And you got to lie on your back, slide out, and when you. And I did. And I looked out like this. And it was 14 stories to the ground. There's no, there's nothing between you and the ground. And you kissed the Blarney stone. And I did. It's true, isn't it? Been there. Seen it. This is a millennial view of a stronghold. You know, like a drone flying over here. It looks beautiful, right? The greenery. You know, how peaceful. I'd love to go to Ireland. Uh, right? This is, a, this is a non-combatant view, if you like, of Ireland. This is a view of a foot soldier coming the other way. Because you know what? My orders are to take this dude down. My orders are to storm this place. Yeah, right. You know how many people must have lost their lives trying to storm a stronghold like this? Because you know what strongholds are meant to be? Strong. Strongholds are meant to be impenetrable. They're built to withstand the press of the enemy. You get the point? This is what, hey, this is what Scripture says, right? We're to cast down strongholds, though. We're to cast them down. Because the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. My suggestion to you is this, that if you you have a stronghold that is erected or being erected in your mind, that causes you to think contrary to the word of God, you better get your hands on the weapons of God. You better get your hands on the things that God gives out to bring down strongholds like this because some of those strongholds are designed to drag you all the way down. And we find Paul admonishing the church to be strong, and to be strong in the Scripture means the ability to resist without being broken by a force. It means to be able to uh, to deal with a problem in a determined and effective way and be successful in doing it. And that's what Paul is saying here. My brethren, uh, be strong in the Lord. You You need to break the force that is trying to break you. You need to tear down the thing that's trying to be built up in you. You need to cast away the thing that is trying to pull you somewhere contrary to the will of God. Are we okay? And you know what? Nobody's going to do it for you. There's got to be Listen, folks. There's got to be something from within that says enough is enough. There's got to be something from within. Listen, I pray. I've always prayed that my boys would have whatever it took for them to be able to hear something. And I often prayed, and this this happened, I I, I credit this, uh, it answered prayer. My wife and I would talk about this and we'd pray this way. That if what I said to my boys was either ineffective or they were, in a sense, slightly rebellious against what they were being told, that God would bring somebody into their path that might say something in a non-confrontational way that would make them think about the path they're on. And God often did. They'll tell you the same thing. And all of a sudden, a minister would show up at the house, or somebody would come to the church and preach. Or, you know, we'd, we'd travel to another country or something, and they'd you know, sit down in fellowship. And some guy would say, man, I went through this at home, and you know, this happened, this happened. And I prayed that they would be open enough to be able to hear the admonition or the correction that would come, even if it didn't come by me. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that they're all serving the Lord and, uh, you know, working for the kingdom in one way or another and raising godly families. I'm very thankful for that. And I don't take all the credit for that, for sure. But I will tell you this. I did pray that God would uh, God would uh, allow them to be able to recognize strongholds in their life, whether they're lust or, uh, you know, ambition or whatever else, girls, whatever. And, and, and that it would recognize Satan putting a stronghold in their life and then being able to have in their hands and at their disposal the weapons of God to be able to tear down the things that try to implant into their spirit. So this is what it looks like. I mean, this is a simple drawing here, but let's say this, that in order for Satan to develop a stronghold in your life, you've got to surrender soil to him. You've got to give him a piece of ground. You're not expecting the outcome. You're not expecting a Barney Castle at the end of the road here. You think, well, this is just a little compromise. I can get on this website. I can fool around with this guy or this girl, and it'll be all right. And all of a sudden, there's what you didn't realize like every fish out there in the river doesn't realize there's a hook underneath that lure. And that hook knows exactly what it's supposed to do. And what happens is when people surrender a little ground, and whether you click, whether you, uh, whether you associate with it at school or work or whatever else, you know what, you come to find out after a while huh, there was a hook in that crazy thing, there's a hook in that girl, or there's a hook in that boy, and now my feelings are hooked. And you know what, a lot of good fish went down in history thinking that that was just a free meal. But you know what it began with? Surrendered ground. Let me tell you how surrendered ground, what surrendered ground looks like. Very often it can be a wounded spirit. I like the way that Roosevelt said it. He said that comparison is the thief of joy. Facebook to me is the father of this or the mother of this. I prefer mother. I better stop. <laughs> Because we live in an age where comparison is everything. Your vacation was great until you saw what the knoblocks did on theirs. <laughs> Honey, thanks for that vacation. It was great to go to the state park and try out our new tent and, you know, cook every meal out there. It was really great. We're fantastic. Thank you. Had a great time. Back to nature. Oh, it was just lovely and peaceful. And then you read what the Knoblochs posted on their vacation. <laughs> Down in Florida, you look at your husband next week and say, you cheapskate. (laughs) Why couldn't I have married a man like Ron (laughs) Knobloin? A (sighs) tent. Comparison very often is a thief of your joy. And you know what? People will do desperate things when they feel like they've been robbed of something in life. They'll make some crazy choices. They'll make some crazy decisions when they think they're missing out in life. They don't have enough money or they don't have a a husband or a wife or whatever else. They'll do some crazy things. That, my friend, is how strongholds very often begin. They don't begin in great big building blocks that look like castles. They begin with little bits of soil that are given away to the enemy. And the enemy is promising you nothing but joy and happiness and peace, love and prosperity for the rest of your days. Here's the way a prophet said it. The Holy Ghost is in you and won't cooperate with that. What kind of Holy Ghost is that? If the Holy Ghost is in you and won't cooperate with that, what kind of Holy Ghost is that? The Holy Spirit itself in you makes you live what you are. And if the Holy Spirit disagrees with the Word and you call it the Holy Spirit... Then it's not the Holy Spirit of God. You got some sort of spirit, and today we have all kinds of spirits. Amen. Today we have all kinds of spirits, and you know what? Spirits are very quickly communicated around the world today, very quickly, right? Because if somebody gets a wrong idea and says, "Well, you know what? I'm among a bunch of women at my work, and and they're all..." Uh, real interested in what I believe and real interested in the message. And so I thought, you know, just to be like them and not to make them feel bad, I thought I'd cut my hair because I wanted to be one of them. I wanted to be among them. And then they get in the work trying to be a witness and all of a sudden they look on their page and they've got, a, you know, a 572 likes. Yes, everyone says, oh, how cute, how nice. And somehow or another, the The sharp edge of God's displeasure is dulled by the number of likes you get. I'm not saying that that's all the reason that that happens. Sometimes it's just something in somebody that wants to conform and wants to be like everybody else. And Brother Random said the greatest temptation in Laodicea, the greatest temptation in our world, he said, is worldliness. People who want to be like the world. They want to look and act like the world. They want to listen to the music of the world and so forth. But he says, the problem is today we have all kinds of spirits. So for us as believers, the, the refuge, if you like, the remedy, all you guys, all you single guys, look at the screen and read me the first word. What does it say? Flee. Don't say second. Say Flee. It's just like the husband who was going to the store and his wife said, give me a dozen eggs. And if they have avocados, give me six. And he came back and had six dozen eggs. Because they had avocados there. (laughs) The first word here is flee. Flee, youthful us. The best way is to use your feet for discernment and get out of there. The best way is to leave, leave quickly, because youthful lusts will follow you. And you know what? When youthful lusts catch you, they tend to pile on. They pile on real fast. There's kind of no shortcut out of it. But if you want to follow something, you want to pursue something, follow righteousness and faith and charity and peace. But then they're calling the Lord out of a pure heart. Hang around with the pure, you'll begin talking pure. Hang around with the pure, you'll enjoy pure humor. You hang around with pure people, and you know what? They'll tend to encourage you in the things of God. Because in every human being there's a weak link. You're only as strong as that weak link. And Satan, like Brother Ram said, he said he studies you, tries to find that area, tries to find that little place where he can sow something and make somebody feel, make somebody dream. Make somebody imagine. And here's Paul the Apostle saying, cast down imaginations. And a man comes to Brother Branham with a scenario about trying to marry this woman preacher with all of her history. And Brother Branham says, cast it down. That didn't come from God. Sometimes you just got to call them what it is. You've got to say it the way it is. Because in a sense, it's easy. Situations like that are easy. And, and there are some situations that are easily identifiable. And you just got to call them what they are. And if you don't believe me, and if you don't think that what I'm saying is true, then you should pray this way. I mean, if you don't like me because of the things that I've said here, or you're somehow or another, you think I'm picking on you, which I'm not, my job is to give you the whole counsel of God. But I would say this. I would say this. And I told you last week how much I loved you. I meant it. Nothing's changed through the week. Still love you with all my heart. Nobody loves you more than Sister Becky and I and how we care for you and we're willing to go to bat for you. Do whatever we can. To be able to stand there at the gates of glory and watch you file in one by one, hands raised and thanking God that you did the sacrifice, did the hard thing, did the hard work to get into glory. That's my goal. But if you don't like me, you should pray this way. Lord, soften my heart so the Holy Spirit can deal with me and move me in the right direction. And if I need to be corrected, if there's a fork in the road, and I need to make adjustments, And Lord, make, help me make them according to your will before it's too late or before I affect other people, before I drag somebody else the wrong way. That's to me, that's a pure heart. That's a heart that at the end of the day wants the right thing. That's every musician. If you just quietly slip up here in a moment here. That's what, that's, that's what the, the scripture talks about. That's what, that's what Brother Random, you know, describes, and that's what, he's, that's what his heart's cry is for this man. Hey, buddy, this situation. Even though you feel as strongly as you do about this woman, it can't be God leading you to do this. So it's something else. Call it what it is. Identify it for what it is, and don't go there. It's a trap. Don't go there because it's going to change things for you. It's going to change your status. It's going to change who you are and what you're able to do and so forth. Don't do it. But you know what he's got? He's got a feeling. He's got an imagination. What it would be like to marry this woman? He's got an idea. And as we have read in our text and as we have seen, and to me this is a great, great uh, example of human nature and how that we think. There are many devices in a man's heart. Lord, send your orders down from on high. Lord, pour yourself out. Show me your way in the Word. And make it so clear that I don't miss it, if that's all right. Make it so clear that I wouldn't be misled. I want to be on marching orders. I want to be moving in the right direction. I want to be like somebody in Joshua's army. And I want to be going in the right place. But Lord, send your orders down from on high. Don't send the... Don't... Don't send some other prophet or some other person who would just agree with me because they like me. Don't send somebody my way who doesn't love me enough to confront me when things are not going so well. I don't know about you, but I, I, I long to see the Spirit of God moving in a, in a greater way among us here. I, I, I pray often out of Isaiah where he said, he said, God will rend the heavens and pour himself out and he'll move among us in a, in a greater way. I, I, I want that in my own life, and I want that for my family and for you. And we, have, we have Lincoln who's here today, and uh, Lincoln is, is, what, four months old? No, two months old, three months old, struggling with weight. Every ounce is a battle for that little guy. And He's on a few days' notice, and if he doesn't gain some more weight, because he's the only little guy, and if he doesn't gain weight, he's got to go in the hospital tomorrow. And get an NG tube in there and we're going to force feed them and try to get them to uh, fatten up a little bit. You know what? I say this. I don't want anything in this church to hinder God dealing with that little child. And all of our hearts should be pure. All of our hearts should be clear. If there's anything in your life, anything in my life that needs to be forgiven, you should be putting it on the altar right now. You should be just giving it to God right now and say, Lord, search me, O God, and know if there's anything in my heart. Because I don't want... Brother Ram said a rebellious spirit will hold up the Spirit of God in a church. A rebellious spirit will hold up the Spirit of God in, in the church. And there's people in here, not only Lincoln, but there's people in here that need answers. They need... They're making choices. They're in the process of... Laboring through something, and some people here need healing, and some people here need, you know, deliverance from things. And I'll tell you what, I, I for me, I don't want to be, uh, I don't want to have this said about me that, you know what, I would have done this. God would have said I would have done this, and the Holy Spirit would have done that. But you know what, you held it up. You held it up. I don't want to be that. I don't want to be that person. I want to say, Lord, just flow through me, Holy Spirit, flow through me. And, and lift our voices with, you know, a clear conscience. Hey, none of us are perfect. I know that. But you know what? I, I just, I, I just, I just want to be sensitive to how God is speaking to me. And then, Lord, forgive me if there's anything that's contrary, anything that's out of the way. God loves that kind of a heart. God loves a, a contrite and a repentant heart. That's who he can deal with. He can't deal with, with you if you're sitting there and saying, yeah, but I got a quote. Or I got a Bible verse. Or I had a dream. The Holy Spirit has a tough time dealing with that. Because everyone has dreamed. The Bible says so. Everyone has imaginations and thoughts. So all of us should say, change my heart, O God, and make it ever true. All of us should sing this. Change my heart. Oh, God, let's stand and sing it together. Make it ever true.
1: Yes, change my heart.
4: to be like him. You know what he said? I do that only which the Father shows me. It was a kind of the overriding principle that Jesus lived by. Do that which the Father shows me. Anything inside the will of God I have no fear of. Anything outside of the will of God I have no interest in. So the best thing you do to do now is not surrender ground to the enemy. Surrender all your ground to him. And say, Lord, build a stronghold in my mind. Build a stronghold in my heart. Build a stronghold in my my, uh, all my choices and everything else that I do. Give myself I
1: give myself away so you can use me. I give myself away. Yes, I give myself away so. say
4: like you all came home and said now we're home i thank god for that thank god for the atmosphere that's here today and i believe if you want to step into the waters i believe it's a good time if you have a need today i'd be glad to pray with you we're going to pray for lincoln and i'd like the family to come up if you don't if you want to come up i'd like you all to come up here and i want our deacons to come up here and ministers john if you'd come and matt if you'd come and uh the deacons come up I, I, and I want you to pray i tell you what I got I got my prayer cloth here this is a prayer cloth that Billy Paul gave me from Brother Graham's suit it's not an idol it is Acts nineteen eleven. so we're going to pray for Lincoln today we're going to trust that the Lord will touch his body whatever your need today Matter of fact, if you have a need and you want to be prayed for today, come on up here. We'll we'll pray together. We're going to pray for Lincoln specifically, but we'll be glad to pray for you today in the presence of Jehovah, God Almighty. He's a Prince of Peace. He's a healer. He's a deliverer. He's all of that today. In the Father, we join our hearts and our prayers together for this little boy, Lincoln. And Lord, all of his earthly journey, he's fought. He has fought hard to live, to grow, become fat. Lord, he's a gift because all life comes from God. And now in the name of Jesus Christ, we curse that enemy that would try to hinder his development. And, Lord, I pray that the right thing would kick in and just allow him to be able to grow, be strong and healthy. I commit him into your hands, Lord, believing that you're still a healer. And, Lord, you're touched by the infirmities that we feel. You're a God who cares about the little ones, little ones who've done neither right nor wrong, but they come into this world innocent and already attacked by the enemy. This little boy is a mom and a dad, and they're caring deeply about them and a family that surrounds him today, and now a family of faith that surrounds him. And so the very best thing we can do is dedicate him to you in the name of Jesus Christ. And with this prayer cloth, I lay it on him, Lord, in faith, not as an idol, but, Lord, as a symbol of what you did through that prophet in this last day. And, Lord, we believe that by your stripes, by the stripes of Christ, By the stripes you bore on your back and the blood you shed on Calvary's cross, that healing was included in that atonement. And we claim that healing promised today. And may the virtue of Almighty God, may it just flow and touch Him. Lord, be the great physician on His behalf, I pray. I commit him into your care, Lord. We look for a good report. We look for you to be a healer on His behalf, Lord. By faith we claim it. By faith we believe it. In Jesus' name, we pray. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. And amen. God bless you, Lincoln. Thank you. Thank you. Let's sing.
1: out of situation of that tug of war at me. And all day long I struggle for the answers that I need. I come into His presence and all my questions become clear and for that sacred moment no doubt can interfere In the presence Oh, hallelujah And all my questions become clear, and for that sacred moment, there's no doubt can interfere, but just reach out to him now.
4: we do not deserve your closeness. We do not deserve your mercies. We do not even deserve your leadership in our lives. But you have forgiven us and we stand justified as though we never sinned in the first place. And Lord, that's not based on feelings. That's based on what you did for us. And now in the name of Jesus Christ, I commit the people to you that in every decision, every choice we make, Lord, you would be our guide. That we would revert to the absolute we trust. Lord, you would be our conscience. You would check us, Lord, when we make steps on another path. May your word be familiar. And may the voice of the enemy be foreign to us. But our young people, Lord, I pray that they would always listen to the right influence. That, Lord, he that walketh with wise shall be wise. Father, I pray that you would just instill that deeply, deeply in every heart. Because all of our lives, we're faced with choices. Move among us, Lord, I pray. Bring healing to all who need it. And we just want to say we love you and we thank you for all you do and for all you provide. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus Christ's name. And all the bride said, God bless you as you go this morning. God will make a way, but there seems to be no way. He works in ways we cannot choose. Let's sing it this way.
1: God will make
4: a way.
1: Touch my heart like you do, and I could search for all. heart like you. Oh, I could search for all eternity, Lord. Find there